Prosopagnosia, the inability to recognize faces, occurs in up to 2% of the population. Most people struggle with it alone, unaware it even has a name. The stories in this podcast can be painful and hilarious. Join us for an exploration of the people, science, and realities of this condition. Maybe you have a hard time remembering faces. Come for the stories, stay for the coping techniques. I typically want this podcast to be evergreen, uh, but in this case, I do want to point out that it's April 16th, 2020, and we're in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, It seems kind of impossible that the topic's not going to come up during the conversation, so I just wanted to explain that. That also explains the delay since my last episode. So I really only know two things about my guest today. I know that he's been fully blind since birth. And based on our, what, 10-minute phone call, uh, I think that's going to turn out to be about the least interesting thing about him. (laughs) Um, And I thought this would be a really interesting conversation because as a blind person, I would imagine there are uh, some tips and techniques that uh, the blind community might be able to share with us and the face-blind community on how to better recognize people. Uh, So Matt Johnson, welcome to FaceBlind. How you doing, guys? So I lied. Uh, we, we did talk for about 15 minutes. I heard a few other uh, facts about you. I heard you mention that you're a lawyer in the UK. That's right. A musician and an audio snob. Also that. <laughs> and, and you did not sound British to me at all. In fact, I couldn't place you. <laughs> you said, yeah, I'm from Bermuda. And I just decided, okay, let's wait and save all this for the interview. So yeah. Totally correct. Could you set the stage and share a little bit with us about yourself, your background? Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, I did actually grow up on the island of Bermuda until I was 15. Uh, I left there um, quite a few years ago now and uh, basically had to had to leave for reasons of education and continuing my education. So I came across to the UK, studied languages, studied law, and uh, kept on with uh, with a legal career, basically. So um, yeah, I've been in the UK over half my life and uh, didn't really ever fully get the accent, although I have uh, little traces of it every now and then. Um, but yeah, so my life is now completely, I would say here, and I, I, I wanna say in Europe, but I can't say in Europe anymore because we left Europe. <laughs> uh, uh, but that gives that gives you a general idea, anyway. So, what does a Bermudan accent sound like? Awful. Have you lost it? Um, <laughs> I actually can't imitate it. I I I, I just can't. Um, my parents always raised me to sort of, uh, you know, they used to say speak properly or whatever. Not that an accent is improper, but um, they they always sort of raised me with that sort of mentality to speak well and, and whatever. So I actually cannot imitate a Bermudian accent. It's it's one of the few accents I can't do, um, bizarrely. And what kind of lawyer are you? I practice IT law mostly, uh, so sort of large outsourcing projects and things like that. And I also do data privacy, uh, which in Europe is a massive deal and becoming big in the US very slowly, um, too slowly. <laughs> so... Um, you mean personal data privacy? Yes, correct. So uh, f- Facebook and Twitter and uh, everyone harvesting our, our uh, personal data. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, In Europe, it's a really big thing and privacy is really important. And in the US, it's 
not. Uh, and, you know, data gets sold left, right and center. But I think you guys are slowly sort of waking up to to the dangers of that. And, um, you know, it's a really interesting uh, area of law to to be in right now. I have to say that. Yeah, I have started to hear some uh, arguments about that here in the U.S. Um, one of my favorite political candidates uh, talked a lot about it. He said that, um, you know, we're just accepting the terms. We click accept to get access to this free service or that free service. Yep. And we seem happy with the trade, but we don't realize that our personal data is like the new oil. Yep. Yep. This is, I mean, that was a, a, um, a you know, a comment that was most famously made in The Economist uh, about a year and a half ago. And um, hand-waving aside discussions of uh, data fungibility and all of that stuff, there is some truth to it. There absolutely is. Um, and like I say, yeah, uh, it's an area I love to work in. It's kind of scary sometimes because you talk about uh, this stuff with clients and they say, oh yeah, we can look at A, B, and C, and D, and we can make all of these inferences and they're usually right. And you're like, okay, um, well, when I close this computer and I'm not working for you anymore, then I'm a potential target. And so you kind of look at it through that lens as well. You're sort of like, well, okay, I'm you know following the law and make sure my clients follow the law. But at the same time, I'm going home and sort of thinking, well, now that law is helping me as an individual, right? So it's like I say, it's a gray area from that perspective. And do you work in an office building or from your home? Well, uh, obviously you're working well, from home say, now. <laughs> <laughs> At the moment, uh, we're all working from home, aren't we? But um, uh, yeah, so I have worked in an office, yeah, um, pretty much constantly um, for the last couple of years, yeah. How far away is that office from your home? Uh, like 20 minutes, if that depends on the day and depends on the traffic and the trains and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, so. You're blind and you described yourself as blind from birth, meaning yes. you have never had any visual correct. Uh, cortex activity. <laughs> correct. Correct. Actually, that's probably not true. No, no, it is. It is. Um, although I think the visual cortex gets co-opted for other things. Um, but there, there are actually some really interesting, uh, there are some really interesting correlations between people who are blind from birth uh, or um, differences between those who are blind from birth and those who lose their sight later on in terms of what they find easier in life and things like that. Um, and I think that is related to what the visual cortex is and is not developed to do. Um, so there's some really interesting stuff, you know. Would, would you say then in, in general that it's better to be blind from birth and not have ever relied on visual cues? Oof, difficult, difficult thing is the transition obviously is way harder. You know, like you have this massive shock. At, I've known people who lost their sight, you know, in really formative years uh, as teenagers or like young adults. You know, I, I knew someone who lost it halfway through a physics degree, uh, which is definitely not the time to lose it. Um, and so, you know, transitions are really hard and some people don't always come back as fully fledged functional people after a, a blow like that. Right. So, you know, that on the one side, that is really difficult. But on the other side, people who transition, uh, you know, who lose their sight later, I shouldn't say transition. That's a whole different ballgame. People who transition to being blind later in life, um, they usually, if they can adapt to it, they often are slightly more functional because uh, generally, right, they have better ability to spatial reason. 
Uh, they have better abilities, they understand what colors are, and there are certain things that are just made substantially easier if you lose your sight later in life. But then again, they have to learn how to use a computer with, with speech. You know what I mean? And that's something that we grew up doing. So it's a bit of a trade-off, really. I, I couldn't make a, a value judgment because it, it's really individual. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one. Uh, you're in IT law. Uh, yeah. You clearly know your way around a computer. Um, I found you in a Reddit forum. Yeah, uh, love Reddit. <laughs> and uh, you responded immediately. Uh, we've texted back and forth on Skype. Uh, no problems. I sent you a link to this tool that I use to record the um, the podcast not knowing if it would even be accessible. And you hopped right in, figured that out, said, yep. oh, uh, it's not working. And then we realized it was because you <laughs> were in Firefox and needed to be in Chrome. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, how I mean, do you get around? Well, uh, I thought about this, right? So I thought the best way I could show you that is, is actually to show it to you instead of discussing it. So I'll just do that. Um, what I tend to use, so this is like, I'll, I'll use my phone because it's right, right here. But my phone will speak and it will sound like this. Uh, hang on, let's turn off because I, I muted it for the podcast. See, I was a good guest. <laughs> yeah, right? nice. But, so if I turn my phone on, it will start by saying like the date or the time. It will say 2311. So that's 2311. It's speaking obviously very quickly. Speaking I'll less. slow it down. 45%. So if I've, you know, brought it up, it will just sort of give me the time. Thursday, the 16th of April. And it will just give me the, you know, that. WhatsApp grouped. See what I mean? So it's telling me I've got WhatsApp messages and it will just tell me all that stuff and I can just use it. If uh, any app has a notification, it'll just verbally give you the Yeah. So it's just an iPhone. I mean, it's just an iPhone. That's all it is. So just go to the home screen. Messages. You know what I mean? And I can just tap that and hit messages and it will just tell me what my messages are. And this is just a standard iPhone. There's nothing special about it. You have a setting in the iPhone, you turn it on and, and every, every iPhone can do this. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's how I navigate pretty much everything. And, and there's a similar tool. I think it's called RAW. Is that right for the web? Nope. R, R, um, what is it? That's a, an acronym, right? Uh, that's a different thing. Um, it, there are lots of web technologies that make accessibility easier, but they often feed into speech. Okay. That's how it works. We just got right into the techie side of things, guys. Yeah. <laughs> this this would be a very different discussion that I think you and I could take. But uh, I So I'm a big podcast fanatic. Yeah. Uh, have been ever since I had a job where I worked about an hour from my office. And, yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, bored to death driving. So, um, But I listen to podcasts usually at 1.5x, sometimes 2x, maybe yeah. a little bit slower than what I just heard. Do yeah. you know how fast she is? I don't know. I know that the computer is about 300 words a minute, maybe 250. Um, depends on what I'm reading. I don't know how fast the phone is because that's not as quick. We can't get it quite as fast on the phone. So, so here's an interesting thing. I wonder if this is true for you too. Um, you know, if I'm I'm in sales, so like if I go to a customer meeting, I often will have been in the car or an airplane listening to something at 1.5 or 2, 2x. Mm. And then when I get into my meeting, I find that I have to consciously <laughs> slow myself down because verbally, yeah, yes, that, that's same for you. Definitely, yeah. that's the thing. There have actually been studies on this. Uh, there, there was a German lab or an Austrian lab about three years ago that studied the um, auditory processing ability of people who um, who were blind and those who weren't, and you know how quickly we could pick up on speech versus someone who was sighted and what parts of the brain it activated and things like that. And it it found that we were consistently 
better. We were, we were faster because we do it constantly. We do it for hours on end. We do it every day. Um, so there have actually been some interesting neurological uh, research studies done into this. Okay. So you are, I'm, well, you're the first blind person I've knowingly met hmm. anyway. Um, and I'm sure that you get bombarded with questions from sighted people when they meet you the first time. Uh, So what are the most annoying ones? I could pretend like uh, I'm not asking them if you just (laughs) give them to me. (laughs) See, I like that style. That's a good little, that's a good point. I like that. Um, Oh, let's see. What have we got? I mean, we actually have a list. There's this whole list out there um, with sort of snarky responses to every single one of them that that makes the rounds every now and then. but there's so there's the there's the classic like do you see in your dreams which is which uh, we we get all the time, um, and the it's, answer- it's annoying because you get it so often not oh, because God, it's yeah. rude. <laughs> no no no. Well, most of the time it's not about the rudeness. I don't think most people find it rude if they're approached, you know, respectfully. I think it's just like you're just like oh really. Hmm. Um, I love how that's everyone's go to right um the answer to that is it depends uh if you were have if you had sight before and you're dreaming about a time before you lost your sight you might well have uh sight in your dreams uh or you might not if obviously you weren't and it very much depends according to friends of mine who have had this experience um so there's that one uh, there's always the question of you're going to get a guide dog that always comes up all the time like, I don't know why it's a thing. Are you going to get a guide dog is like the first question. Or if you have a guide dog, it's, can I pet your guide dog? Typically, the answer to both of these is the same. No. Because um, if, you know, if you don't have a guide dog, you're probably not going to go for one for various reasons. And if you do have one, you're not allowed to pet the dog. <laughs> do you have a guide dog? I do not. My partner does. And she gets very angry with random people coming up and trying to pet the dog, particularly at the moment, given social distancing. Um but yes, that's, that's another one. I mean, there's, there's, there's loads of them, you know, the, I think the dumbest one I, I I've ever gotten and I've gotten it consistently, you know, f- over a couple of years, less so these days. Cause I think I just deal with more intelligent people as I get older. Um, but there's the classic of how do you find your mouth with your spoon? Wow. I've gotten that more than once. And I'm like, really dude, um, can we just back up a little here? So I've gotten that a few times. Um, yeah, it's all sorts, man. All sorts. Hmm. So we're talking about face blindness. I mean, yeah, I totally. described to you what that is. I mean, I think the only real challenge about it is social interactions, right? So sure. for, for us, you know, we're, we're constantly living with a certain level of anxiety because, uh, People expect other people to be able to recognize them yeah. if they're sighted. We can't do that. And so we usually try to pretend or in some other, we got, you know, tons and tons of coping mechanisms. Yeah. Um, how does socialization, social interaction work with you? So you, you know, live 20 to 30 minutes from your office. You're yeah. getting there a combination of walking and bus. It sounds like. Yeah. Walking or the train. I have, I used to take the bus when I lived at a different place, you know, uh, but I, I use all sorts of stuff, yeah. And so on the street, I suppose someone may pass you that you know. Uh, yeah. There, I mean, how do you know that you know them? <laughs> well, you you don't, right? And this is this is a thing. Um, I 
have dealt with on a couple of occasions where it's like, oh, I saw you coming into work. It's like, okay, well, I am completely excused from having to deal with that interaction if someone doesn't acknowledge me first, right? Because we're on the street and I don't have to deal with that because I don't officially know they're there. They don't enter into my, you know, calculus until they speak, right? Straight up. If it's, especially if it's a crowded place, it's just, there's no way to know. You can't know. And typically I think people understand that. And, you know, like I get excused from any kind of a expected sort of social interaction pressure that most people get, except we're in, you know, See, if you got, if you have any Brits that listen to your podcast, they will confirm. It's kind of awkward when you see someone else that you work with on the street and Brits will sort of like run away from that. I think Americans kind of acknowledge each other a little more and Brits are like, oh no, I, I can't do that. No. Um, oh yeah. We got but- the giant white teeth, white tooth <laughs> smile and the arms out wide for a hug from about 20 feet away. No, yeah. no, no. You see, see, British people are just like, no, no, mustn't do that. That would, that would be, that would be unseemly. And and they sort of, you know, walk hesitantly down a, a nearby alley and stand facing the other direction for 10 minutes just to make sure the person's gone by and, and they can go back to what they were doing. Um, but that's a cultural point. But yeah, I would say for me, I don't have to deal with the casual on the street stuff very much just because I think people understand, well, obviously, unless they speak, I'm not going to know they're there. Just genuinely is how it goes. Well, well, let's take that example. Let's yeah. say that you know someone uh, passes you on the street. Uh, if it's someone that you interact with every day, yeah. I'll just make two people up. It could be either a coworker who just happens to be on the street at the same yeah. time. Or uh, maybe you stop at the same flower shop every day and the guy totally. sees you and comes up to you, right? Yeah. Um, so is it purely going to be based on voice? Can you recognize someone just on the timbre of their voice or the sound of their voice? Accent. I do a lot with accent. Um, a lot with accent. And I think, A, it's because I'm living in a very multicultural city, multi multinational, multiracial city. That's really helpful. Um, I mean, I've, I've got one guy that I work with who has come up to me when I've been walking to work a few times, who is from uh, East Africa. And that's really helpful because you know instantly, right? The accent is really distinctive. Um, so those kind of things I rely on. Yeah, timbre is important, but I think for me, more than timbre is, 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 is accent. That can lead you wrong, but generally it doesn't. Um, timbre also, you can judge if it's a coworker, if someone's senior to you, like, do they sound like they're older? Um, also again, a British thing, if they have a, a more sort of upper class accent, they probably are higher ranked. They might, they're probably a partner or something. Uh, you can judge that based on the way they speak. Um, so yeah, timbre is important, but accent I think is more. But it, it sounds like that's still a down select or a binning process that you're going through. It might not be enough to be like a fingerprint for a person. Totally. No, 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 it's not. It's not. Unless I'm, I mean, unless I'm regularly dealing with someone every day or they have like a lisp, you know, or something really distinctive that about their voice, like the East African guy, I can always get perfectly first time out because it's such a different voice slash accent to what I'm used to. Um, so yeah, but otherwise you're hedging your bets, right? <laughs> you're always it, it, doing that. I, I just had this funny thought. Uh, I, I've, I think on every one of these podcasts have mentioned this dumb joke about how I wish everyone had an ax wound on their face. Um, I, I think I just heard you say the same thing. Uh, everyone should have some sort of auditory lisp or uh, <laughs> strange so way handy. of talking. It's so, it's so helpful. You know, it really is. Um, uh. 
Yeah. So, you know, you get there with that. When I, when I was a trainee um, and, you know, especially at that point, you want to impress everybody. You're trying to do work for everybody. You're trying to network constantly, constantly. And you don't know if the person you're talking to is perhaps, you know, a secretary who are the most important people in your office, actually, because they can make your life hell if they don't like you or a partner who you're trying to get work from, you know, um, and you're hedging all the time. Then that was much harder, right? Because I was judging a lot more based on based on that. And even on the street near my office, I don't know if the person that's offering me help is going to be giving me work tomorrow. Right. Uh, so yeah, a lot of hedging and a lot of just being super nice to everybody, which some people actually took as me being like way too formal. Uh, so that was a problem sometimes, but uh, it's interesting, very common, you know, with, uh, most of the face blind folks I've met myself included, uh, often we are perceived as, uh, you know, pretty friendly people and open mm. and warm people because that's that's how we sort of protect ourselves when people are walking up mm. who might know us or might not. You know, we're sort yeah. of just caref- carefully neutral with a little bit of warmth. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is it. I mean, I, I, you know, I got that comment back a couple of times in my sort of feedbacks feedback from from you know, uh, appraisal, you know, what do they call them? Evaluations, you guys call mm-hmm. them. Um, and they're, you know, they say, yeah, they definitely, but uh, you know, what do they say? Uh, you don't always necessarily make someone feel at home by referring back to your last interaction or giving them some kind of common sign that, that, that you're on the same page with them. It's like, yeah, cause I'm usually not on the same page with them for the first five minutes. <laughs> Um, till they give me something I can use. And then you have to pretend that you're not like super relieved as soon as they say something really identifying. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, you're like four minutes into the conversation and they say, yeah. So like we were saying in the meeting last week, blah, blah, blah. And you think to yourself, thank God. And uh, on the surface, you just have to say, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Right. Completely true. It, it, right? Meanwhile, you're doing a jump for joy internally because Bill Smith <laughs> just locked <laughs> into place. Yes, <laughs> Absolutely. See, I call that um, the private eye mode, right? Like when I'm at the grocery store, someone will come up to me randomly and, you know, start a conversation. And I mean, usually I I get pretty good at picking it up within about 30 seconds. Sometimes it does go longer, which the longer it goes, the more awkward it gets if you're not going to be able to figure out who they are. Yep. Um, but I, yeah, I'm asking all sorts of questions that are very open-ended questions and I just want to get them talking and they'll, they'll, they'll finally give me some clue. Yep. Nope. No (laughs) open-ended questions. They are the way forward, honestly. So, you know, face blind person will definitely use voice. I mean that for us that, you Mm. know, I, I, I think similar to you, it's not, uh, fingerprintable. Yeah. But it gets you in the ballpark. Yeah. Um, and then we're, we have the advantage of sight. So we're also looking at things like mannerisms, the way they move their arms around. Um, I don't, I'm not conscious of using some other sense like smell or (laughs) certainly not taste, but, um, I mean, what, uh, do you think there are other senses that you're other things that you're picking up on? I mean, maybe smell, (laughs) I don't know. No, not really. Not unless it's distinct. I mean, maybe if someone's a smoker or something like that and you have that as an attribute that you can kind of go with, um, you know, that's a good one. Uh, but not typically, I would say. Um, you're probably not. You may, what, what you can sometimes do, depending on, 
how many people are in the area is, you know, like the high heeled shoes. Mm. Like if you know, if you know that that's, you've heard someone going by with those before and you know who they are, or they've identified themselves to you before. You can sometimes go with that. Depends on how many people are in the office and how, uh, if the floors are carpeted, then you're screwed. Um, but you know, it's something else. It's another, it's another line of, uh, line of, uh, possible information you could use. But as you said, though, most people who know you, uh, know that you're blind. Do they generally walk up to you when they start a conversation and introduce themselves? A lot do. Um, I mean, unless, like I say, unless I'm working with someone every day and then they know that I've got it Mm -hmm. down. A lot of people will. Uh, and actually I think I'm typically better at it than they think I am because they'll come up and I'm already there half the time. Uh, and, uh, you know, then they'll, they'll say the name. It's like, okay, good. We're, we're good. Um, handy. Very, very handy. It has been on occasion. Uh, so with face, with face blindness or prosopagnosia, I, I, I was told, um, no, the person who told me this was from, uh, South Africa, I believe that I'm mispronouncing it, but, uh, prosopagnosia, I say prosopagnosia. <laughs> um, anyway, it's too long a word. Uh, people who have face blindness, um, we, we are able to fully see in real time. Most of us anyway, fa- yeah. facial, you know, a face, like we can, we can yeah. recognize expressions. We could pick out noses, eyes, ears, everything. It's more about encoding that into memory and vi- revisualizing it later. And huh. so I wonder for you, uh, how, and, and this is a little bit too, like, you know, there are animals that have other senses, right? Like, yeah. uh, you know, they can sense electromagnetic magnetic waves. Bats, yeah. And so, you know, how how would you explain that, you know, to someone who does not have the a sensor for electromagnetic waves? Well, so I was thinking about this. I was I was thinking about this today. I was thinking it's so un it's so odd for me. I was never seen anything right to to um to think about the ability of someone who's looking at looking at something but then without the ability to see it in the way that everyone else sees it, right? And trying to distill that and how to, how to explain that. But I actually think that I have a fairly good allegory for it um, in that, so I was born with perfect pitch. That is um, something that I've always had. I never had to try, I just had it. So when I hear a song or I hear music, I hear it in a way that most people don't. I'm hearing the same thing that they are, but I'm processing more information than they are. And I think perhaps there's an allegory there in the sense that people with face blindness are like, you know, those that don't have perfect pitch, whereas those that have perfect pitch are like the people who can encode faces properly. Mm. And that's kind of an obscure way of putting it, but it works. That's how I thought of it. That's how I think to understand it. So how do you encode a person like if you try to remember your partner right now or visualize well it's the wrong term i don't know what you would call it but uh how do you bring up uh that person in your mind i i I will do it by voice like i mean my partner is scottish so i the the accent comes first do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. those kind of things so very distinctive uh distinctive um points uh yeah or like you know i'd have a friend with a particularly high voice who sounds like she's about 10 years younger than she is that kind of thing. And that will be the first thing that comes up for me when I'm trying to, when I'm trying to describe 
someone. Do, do you get any sort of uh, a tactile footprint for like uh, you, when you rub that person's arm, there's definitely some sort of tactile memory of how that how smooth the skin is or something of that nature. You can nature. do that. You can, you can get there or like how short someone is. Like if someone's guiding you and you reach out. Um, so just as a, as, as a, as a bit of a pro tip for, for, for people out there, if they do meet blind people, especially if they're short, very short, um, what can sometimes happen is you get grabbed by the shoulder instead of the arm because like they think you're taller than you are. Um, if you're female you, and you're facing the wrong direction, you might get something else grabbed that you didn't want grabbed. I assure you that 99% of the time it's not, it's not at all intentional. Um, it's just that if we misjudge the height or the exact direction you're facing, something's going to go wrong and it doesn't always end well. Uh, so those kind of things. Yeah, you do. You get a sense of height very quickly. Sometimes a bit wrong, but we try. I, I told I can't believe I did not think of this until just now, but uh, I think two a couple of years ago there was a Netflix show. It was one of these Marvel comics. Uh, the oh, Demon. don't do it! Don't do it! Don't what do it? it! Daredevil. It's not you're not Daredevil. Daredevil. Oh, I knew it. <laughs> and he's a lawyer too, right? He, yes, and we have the same name, and it's just bad. It's just Wait, you so have the, bad. His name is Matt Johnson. No, his name is Matt. Oh, it's okay. enough. It's enough. He's a blind lawyer called Matt. Do you think I have not been called Daredevil before? Um, come on. Oh, wow. That's uh, just too perfect. Dear. I hope you know I have to no, talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I confess I haven't seen the series. I saw the film and it was awful. Um, but I, I'm told the series is better, but I haven't seen it. Well, the visualization that they try to depict, I guess, uh, is what I was just thinking of as we were talking about, you know, an allegory of electromagnetic sensing. Well, you see, the funny part about that is some of that they got right. It's just depends on how how they think about it. So um, there there is a a school of thought within, uh, you know, for for blind people. They train uh, some VIs to understand the world around them and, and space and distance through a sort of sonic echolocation uh, right. where they click. They learn to actually use the back of their throat and, and click. And their response echoes from the click will actually give them information about the area. Uh, and it's um, it's something my partner is a, an instructor of. She's very, very good at. And um, that is a really interesting, interesting way of seeing the world. So, so it is like... Um a 3D scan, if you will, but yeah. audi- audibly. Yeah, it's really, it's really, really crazy. I mean, she can detect, um, like, if she's going by something and she'll click and she'll know if it's a wall or a fence or a gate or whatever, and sometimes how high it is or if it's a tree or something like that. She can do all that um, with with no, uh, you know, completely with without using any residual vision she might have. What uh, was the people- term you used a minute ago? You said VI. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sorry. Visually impaired people. Yeah. VI, v- VIs. Oh, so, so what are the classifications? How do I think you and I talked about this a little bit? Uh, so we got partials yep. who are visually impaired um, and they have some residual sight and that can be anything from, you know, 5% in one eye all the way up to, you know, a lot more, you know, it can be all the way up to almost sighted and there are different numbering systems to, to delineate that. And, um, you've got totals who are, who are completely blind and totals who are completely blind from birth and not. Yes. 
So this, uh, what, what do you call the the clicking? Is there a term for it? There is a term for it, and now I cannot think uh-huh. for the life of me what it is. It will come to me though. Okay. Um, well, is is that more for one group or the other? Does it work better for one group or another? Well. Interesting. So the guy who pioneered the style, uh, Daniel Kish, his name is very interesting guy to, to chat to. And uh, I've met him, met him last year. Um, he says that they are actually both groups can do it equally well, but they, they, they get better at different things. So people who are blind from birth, when they get a click response, instinctively, they will say, well, there's a this blob and there's a that blob and what something's closer and something's further away. And people who uh, are, you know, who lost their sight later in life, they might not hear the thing that's further away, but they'll say, oh, that thing that's closer, I think that's a, you know, I think that's a tree. They'll get a lot more sort of object-based information, whereas people who are blind from birth tend to get a lot more auditory-based information without necessarily a visual reference to link it to. Um, And they're quite different different things and you have to learn the gap, you know, plug the gap in that skill set. It's interesting. You said to link it to, or to hook it to mm. that is, um, you know, in face blindness, this is the one thing that I have a hard time with. I, you know, we're so used to, uh, associating the idea of a person with their face or, yeah. you know, w- with the visual of their entire body, but especially including their face. And so if you don't have that, you have more of a generic, uh, yeah. Hey, it's a blonde lady with no face. And, uh, you know, she's wearing a skirt that I see her in all the time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 So you've got to do that. And then it's hard to, you know, at that point, because it's almost like a Ben at that point, it's a classification rather than a fingerprint. How do you... But like, doesn't hair help you though? Because like, if they're bald or, you know... It helps. Is, is that, does that work for you? Yeah, it helps. It's a, it, but it, again, it's a, it's a classification, not necessarily a fingerprint. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You've got, you, yeah, you can get, you can get closer. And then how do you, how do you hang a fingerprint or all the details of a person mm. on a classification? Yeah, that's interesting. So does, is that also difficult for you? Do you think uh, remembering all the facts and figures about a person that you meet for, you know, a new person that you meet, is that harder in the beginning? Because. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So there's a funny sort of strategy and I've told other blind lawyers slash, you know, professionals about this and they use it all the time now, especially if you start at a new place. Right. And obviously you're getting work from all sorts of different people and you're not necessarily, uh, you know, clear on who they are. And I've had situations where someone's come up to me and said, Hey, I've got this research project and they'll go into this whole thing for 10 minutes and they'll tell me what they want me to do, what my role is, etc. And I'm jotting away and I'm thinking, Oh God, who is this person? Right. And then they're like, cool. So send that to me by Friday. Thanks. And they're off. And I'm thinking, right. So I know exactly what I've got to do. I haven't got a clue who asked me to do it. This is not good. So what I tend to do uh, in those situations is I will say to them, okay, great. Would you mind just sending me the client number so that I can log it properly? Mm. So then I've got an email, right? They go back to their desk and 10 minutes later, I've got an email saying, yeah, this is the client information. And I'm like, all right, fine. I can put all of those bits together now. And then I've got the, the, the complete thing of, I know who that person is. So getting a confirmation via email, if you can, or something like it, like, um, you know, if there's some detail as part of the research that they don't remember at the end, just sort of say, oh, by the way, would you mind emailing me the X, right? As soon as they email it to you, then you've got a, a reference for them. Uh, and 
That is really crafty. That was a great life hack. And I, I, I thought of that a couple of years ago when I was uh, like just starting at the firm. Um, and I needed this, you know, I needed that, especially because I didn't know anybody. Um, and uh, I used to sit next to a trainee and I would sometimes tap her and be like, hey, who was that? And she would often go, I have no idea who that was. <laughs> I need to go and look. So she, but then she would go look on the office catalog or whatever, you know, so that she, cause there's obviously a thing online with everyone's details. And then she would match the name with the face. So God help me if there was ever a face blind person sitting next to me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we would be, we would be in a bad way. Um, but yeah, so you, you learn all these little things um, and, and, and ways to sort of do it like that. So that was mine. That was my big one. So, so it's really interesting. Uh, up until this point, I was thinking, "Hey, I've really enjoyed the conversation. It's you know pretty interesting. There's a lot of parallels." Yeah. Uh, but I didn't pick up any usable tips. I don't think. And yeah. then you drop that on me. <laughs> I, I totally am thinking right now about, "Hey, okay, if I'm at, uh, let's say, a conference yeah. where it's all new people." Yeah. I mean, one thing I could do is you know give someone my email address and say, "Hey, could you just email me?" At you know, th- this question and yeah. I don't want to forget it. So, you know, pop your phone out and email it to me or, yeah. or maybe it's just a text. I'll have to think about that. Both could work. Yeah. Yeah. There are different, like there are different ways to do it. And it, it relies on a certain level of engagement, but if you get that, then it can work. Um, you know, I've, I, I have certainly used it before. So uh, this, this last topic I, I wanted to bring up, Maybe pretty short. Uh, yeah. I, I want to preface it by saying uh, I'm not a psychologist or a neurologist. Yeah. I uh, I have no idea what I'm talking about, and I haven't even read deeply enough on this to form yeah. an opinion. Okay, so enough caveats for a lawyer. Yeah. No, go for it. <laughs> I'm intrigued now. Okay. Um. So I I read a you know a, a few snippets of some articles where they were talking about, um. A correlation, possibly, between uh, eye contact between mother and child and autism or other neurological issues later. Sure. And so, again, I don't know if that is true or not. I Mm. need to, you know, and I will get some specialists on here and some researchers. That's definitely coming up. And I'm going to ask this question. But I'm curious. I mean, if that's true, then you, you would expect the same thing to be true for blind people more so than face blind people. So what's being true in the sense of if there's no eye contact, there's more likely to be an autistic development or what are you kind of That's getting right. at? Yeah. Autistic uh, mm. development or maybe uh, it, 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 uh, changes your ability to socialize later in life. Possibly. I think, I think there is something possibly to it. I don't know that it's necessarily just that, Um, and I, I I think personally, I think autistic people are probably more born than made. Um, but by the same token, I think there is a certain link, uh, you know, to it in the sense that a a good number, right. Of the people I've known who have been, who are blind from birth were not adequately socialized. And then you can get into the speculation of how much of that is just, um, you know, the environment and, parents not knowing how to do it and then how much of that is endemic to the breed 
to a certain extent, right? Mm. Um, you know, and, and, and then if it's endemic, then are things like eye contact as important as that? There's a lot of sub-theories in there. I have a lot of them uh, around things like that, around spatial development, emotional development, etc. I would love to see some more uh, data on this. Um, I think that if you are blind from birth, it affects a lot of things. I think it affects social development. I think it affects um, possibly even uh, psychosexual development from things that I've noticed. Uh, all sorts of stuff I think it links to. Uh, sight or lack of it affects people in a lot more ways than the most competent and uh, confident blind people that I know I think would like to admit. And yeah, yeah I would love to see some more um, actual research being done on this. Problem with it is it's difficult to do it whilst avoiding stigmatization. Mm, That's true. really, really hard, right? Because how do you how do you study this? How do you either go up to a parent and say, we want to see if your child's weird or how weird they are by virtue of their blindness, right? Parents already already have enough of that to deal with, and they will often get very, very defensive, even if the scientific goals are completely legitimate and uh, worthy of, of pursuing. And then how do you go up to someone who's an adult and say, well, we want to ask all these questions about your past to see how weird you are now, <laughs> Um, you know, the same problem, you get a lot of defensive people because, you know, we are already starting from a, uh, an area, a, a, a point of potential disadvantage in any given situation with sighted people we don't know. Right. So then how do you do that? And how do you do that in a way which is non-stigmatizing? Um, uh, that's really, really tough. So I hope that it happens. Um, uh, and I would love to be a part of it if it ever does. Uh, but I, I struggle to see how they're going to do it. Yeah, it's pro probably hard to actually have a scientific study designed, you know, with double blind uh, control group. You can have people who are doubly blind, blind double blinds, and and, and the and the, and the write up is going to be so confused. Oh, we, we arranged terrible. a double blind of people who were sighted, and uh, the the people who weren't in the double blind were blind. Oh wait, we're going to have to rewrite this whole thing now because this is too confusing. <laughs> I, I honestly didn't mean to do that. I think it's brilliant. I think there's a whole like, you know, the onion type parody in there. There's there's something in there, I think. Definitely. Oh, that's great. <laughs> well, here's what I take from this conversation. I, I appreciate the time is really interesting. Thank you. Um, but what I take from this is uh, I definitely got a tip that that's great. Actually, I think every face blind person that's come on has come has, has given at least one tip that I've not heard of. So yeah. I think that's what, you know, my listeners enjoy more than anything. Um, and so we got the new tip from you. I, I think the other thing is it's, it's very much like we're comrades in arms, right? Like if you're face blind and you, have someone who's blind in your workplace, it might be cool to go to coffee and then just talk about all the ways that you fake it. <laughs> oh, totally. It's, it's, I never, you know, I never would have thought about this. And I said to my partner, this is so cool. I've got this, this, um, you know, this podcast interview thing. And she was just like, I never would have thought about it. Um, either. Like, I mean, I think we knew that it existed, but it just isn't something obviously we've had to deal with or, or come into contact with knowingly anyway. And, um, yeah, so I think it's a really interesting thing to expand, you know, for expanding my horizons as well. You're like, okay, well, this is a whole other group. Mm. Well, well, I, I think we'll leave it there, but Great. is there a uh, final bit of advice you'd like to share with just everyone about how to interact with the blind community or any anything that really bothers you that you just wish everybody knew? Um, there's two things. 
right? The first is very important, and also, so blind girls get this a lot more than blind guys. Don't touch random blind people you don't know. Just don't do that. It happens all the time. Honestly, there's a whole campaign in the UK called Just Ask, Don't Grab, because it's so, so prevalent. So don't do that. Um, and the second thing that I would say is just be guided by your interaction with the person, not by uh, preconception, because they know whatever they need from that interaction, probably better than you do at the beginning. Uh, so don't let assumptions color it. You have to just sort of uh, be guided by by the other person and how they're leading. Matt Johnson, thank you. Thanks so much, man. Appreciate it. For more info on this episode or prosopagnosia in general, visit faceblindpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.